Yeah, so originally when I first started to get my message out there and promote what I was doing, I was such a friendly, fluffy, <laughs> I want everyone to I want everyone to love me, right. Adam. Um, so I'm going to write this post about uh, how beautiful it can be for everyone. Rainbows, lollipops, rose-tinted glasses, all that mm-hmm. shit. That was dumb. That got me nothing. The moment I started to speak my truth, the moment I started to speak of my experience, was the moment that I started to get some traction and some belief. Mm-hmm. One in myself and two from the audience. I still see resistance, absolutely, and I think it boils down to two things. One, I was 12 years in kitchens. Mm-hmm. Who am I to speak to somebody that's 25 years in kitchens, mm-hmm. 30 years in kitchens, 40 years even? Right. So there's a lot of that angle. Who are you to tell me that this is the way I should live my life? Who are you, babyface boy, this sort of stuff? And, right. you know, you get a lot of attention that way. That's okay. But there's also another angle to it in the sense that there's a resistance that is near permanent from what I believe the industry has been swayed to believe. And I do believe that with cooking comes the immediate label for those that know what they're talking about of what we've already spoken about, of just accepting it, just hardening up, just doing the job Mm -hmm. and just shutting your mouth and getting on with it. Whether you're battling substances, whether you're battling chronic pain, whether you're imbalanced, whether you're short-tempered, whether you're depressed, you shut up and get on with the job. And that's how I was brought up in the industry. That's our guest, Taryn Cam, founder and head coach, Real Chefs Movement. He helps chefs avoid burnout and reclaim their energy to live a happy, fulfilling life. And in this episode, he tells us the importance of mindfulness and self-care for chefs and other hospitality workers. And after the break, he'll talk about the potential for positive change in the hospitality industry in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and about how you can be part of that change. This is Chef Life Radio, serving chefs just like you who want to enjoy their careers without sacrificing their lives. I'm your host, Adam Lamb, and over my 30-year career as a chef and hospitality professional, I've coached and mentored thousands of culinarians who've led lives of contribution, community, and authentic leadership. Let me be your guide on this journey together, looking for solutions and perspectives to some of the biggest issues impacting the hospitality industry, our lives, and our careers today. We chef! And now... Back to the show. And so we want to welcome Taryn Cam to the show. Welcome, my brother. Thanks very much, Adam. It's awesome to be here, mate. And you are where in the world right now? I am in Melbourne, Australia. Oh my gosh. Melbourne, Australia. How hot is it there right now? Not at all, actually. Really? It'd be about eight to 10 degrees out there at seven in the morning thereabouts. So Perfect time of the day. Yeah. Perfect yeah. time of the day. You know what? Anywhere from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., I'm a very happy man. It's a beautiful time of the day. Well, it's also nice getting up that early because, you know, for most of us, the world is still asleep, right? So there's no pulling on us. There's nobody, you know, calling us or emailing us or anything. And it's kind of a nice, quiet time to kind of be with yourself, don't you think? Absolutely, it is. (laughs) We're in a house with a three-year-old and a puppy border collie and a cat and a parrot so my wife and i make sure we're up at about 4 30 or 5 most mornings we give each other half an hour space no technology nothing it is a sacred time of day for us because the moment the little one's awake the circus is awake right game on so you actually shut everything else out for half an hour so you can actually get grounded with your bride 
I, I actually do, yeah, definitely. So even my wife and I, we give out we give ourselves a half an hour space as well before we before we connect. So there's a good morning there, and then there's like you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And what I've realised is how much better it is to approach your day that way. And with what we've been doing for a long time, there I was managing some face to face PT work as well, and it was a matter of falling out of bed and getting on with the day. And the intentions that you can have for the whole day really do weigh in on that that start, I believe, and just being able to create that space, that mindfulness since I've incorporated this, a lot has changed. Yeah, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit, specifically around what you're doing professionally, but also this idea of mindfulness. But uh, I, I know that, you know, you spent some time on the line as well. So you were a chef, you worked in the hospitality industry. You want to kind of give us the kind of thumbnail sketch of, what you were doing and how far you progressed in your career and absolutely absolutely so i had a post up not long ago labeled my life as a chef part one and uh i was able to explain to to my audience shout out to the audience absolute legends just how i got into kitchens and really to be honest with you i got into kitchens based on the fact i actually got into my first preference university course that had nothing to do with kitchens and I had no head on my shoulders to pursue this course, though I fooled myself for at least three months. <laughs> I fell into a fantastic network of people that were too much fun. Uh, that combined with not having the head on my shoulders, I needed something to fund my social life, not my university life. Right. I fell into kitchens and started washing some pots and pans in a small town, roughly about two hours away from where I grew up, actually. Yeah, to be honest with you, it was great to make money and socialize. And then sure. I thought, hey, I'm going to do this on the other side of Australia. Hey, I'm going to keep doing this for two, three years. I was just a professional kitchen hand, to be honest with you. There was one job there where I even took out a head steward position on an island and I just loved kitchens and I'm great with tunnel vision, Adam. I didn't really pay attention to the food being prepared around me. I paid attention to the job I had to do and... At some point traveling around Australia, I realized, hey, I should probably step up what I'm doing here and perhaps take on board what some of these chefs are telling me that I'm working with to get an apprenticeship. And right. it's actually quite funny. I, I was in Darwin, which is the other side of the country, about 4,000 kilometers away from where I am now. And I started putting in mock applications for apprenticeships and there was one I put an application in for where I'm like, I would consider actually going to this interview. Funnily enough, he got back to me the next day and said, when can you come here? So it was 4,000 kilometers driven in about four days and got myself down for the apprenticeship and never looked back, mate. To be honest with you, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I understood the organization, right. the structure. I think any kitchen hand that does their job properly starts to get the foundations of what a kitchen's actually about. I lost a lot of sleep on how to keep a dishwasher running. I lost a lot of sleep on how to keep things cycling, how to do things normally and how to not get grilled. Mm. And it turned into me working in lower end pubs to start with in the apprenticeship, right. moving into a higher end restaurant towards the end of the apprenticeship, moving into the land of, oh my God, I'm qualified. I'm going to work for everyone and anyone. I think I had three or four jobs, which was great. I ended up finding my home in cafes. And for those that aren't aware of Melbourne's cafe culture, it's quite spot on. It's amazing. It's a thing, yeah. Yeah, you have this opportunity to deliver really, really quality food at a basic fare and do some half reasonable hours. Those that think cafes are easy are those that really haven't done the 5 a.m. to 6 p.m. shifts. 
absolutely amazing. So grateful that I found cafes. I ended up taking my career over to London. Uh, I opened up a Melbourne style brunch cafe over there with a with a fella. That was absolutely amazing. From there, I was back here and running cafes for a few years. And um, I made a switch into the fitness industry not too long after after touching back down in Melbourne. That's funny. First off, I just want to kind of uh, touch base around washing dishes. You know, that's where I started in the industry. I started when I was 15, uh, washing dishes. And it didn't, you know, of course, did 15 years old, you don't know what the hell you're doing anyway. Yeah. But, you know, this the steward position that you also applied for. So, you know, part of the mission for Chef Life Radio is also to you know, to talk about all the positions and all the people in the, in the industry and from the lowest rung to the highest rung. And I share the opinion of some smart people when they say, you know, if it wasn't for great stewards, you know, we couldn't get our job done. And the fact that you were kind of focused on what you were needed to do also speaks a lot to your kind of tenacity and grit in that it doesn't really matter what you're doing, but it's how you're doing. So this idea that, you know, you're going to really apply yourself once you get to a certain level. No, man, people actually see you where you're at and the fact that you're diligent and someone looks at that and says, oh, maybe this guy's got some skills. I mean, he applies himself. He's diligent, you know, clean. I mean, we could use some of that. So I, I, I good on you, man. And you couldn't have got a better grounding in the industry than to start there. <laughs> There are some very specific issues to deal with as far as chefs are concerned in regards to, and I'm not even going to talk about health or how somebody decides to mitigate their stress, but I'm talking about the physical environment. Like you mentioned earlier about bending over a table, you know, I took all that shit for granted. I thought that that's just the way things were in a kitchen and that I had to change. And then I went to, uh, we were doing an off premise charity event at a art museum and the local sushi guys came and they set up a table close to us. And I looked down and they're putting number 10 cans underneath the, the, the legs of the banquet table. And then they've got wooden blocks so that they're setting up their cutting boards so that their arms are at a perfect 90 degree bend. They basically changed their environment. So it made it easy for them to do the work. And that was the first time I'm like, what do you mean you can do that? Like, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, by that time yeah. I'd had my first back surgery, you know, all the muscles in my stomach had, had basically lost all its tension. So now it's my back going and, you know, it's kicked my ass primarily because, you know, as a young and energetic chef, I threw my body around with reckless abandon, you know, because you're, at least my story was, I was always constantly trying to, you know, run into the breach, you know, to pull the whole thing together and, and move the entire team forward. But somehow there's you know, in those type of environments, it's all physical. And so it was easy for me to get out of shape and stress my body out. And, you know, it's taken me a long time to try to get that back. So I totally get how the environment can kind of contribute to some of the issues that chefs have with knees, shoulders. Totally. And I think, I think it boils down to those that are naturally gifted in the industry and can use their brain. They can use their brain. For me, I had this fitness base and I had this endless pool of energy. And I was like, okay, if I can just get this thing to bloody cooperate, I'm going to win. <laughs> and it took a really long time for my brain to catch up to what my body was willing to do. And much the same as you, mm. I just threw myself around. Yep. I had no regard for 
posture, for awareness, for balance. I had no regard for it. And my number one strength was I don't care how good of a chef or how good of a kitchen hand anyone is, I can be the best because I'll be the fittest, I'll be the strongest, and I'll mm-hmm. be the stupidest with my body. Right, exactly. Yeah, mate. It's not easy to look after yourself at all. And the thing is, posture, awareness of how you're using your body, balance, fantastic. If you can achieve that while you're in the kitchen, you are a wizard. Why? Well, it's one thing to do it preparing some food. Sure, you can go on a wider stance. You can make your prep area more comfortable. Mm -hmm. You can do things in sequential order and know you're getting to the service line, know you're getting to the end of your shift and know you're okay. But the moment you are busy, the moment you are under pressure, the moment you are 10 tickets deep, you tell me that you give a shit about your posture. No, man, it's time to it's time to be all ass and elbows. You know, there's no time to think about anything except, you know, <laughs> suck it up, sunshine. There's, there's I, don't, I don't have time for your problems. I have enough of my own. Right. I get a real sense that there is a shift occurring in the industry. And thank God for covid, because I was watching this great documentary on uh, our public access. And uh, it was uh a program about the entire year of COVID, basically when they start in China and they go all the way through each country as it started to spread. And they were talking to this guy in Colombia who worked for the government, was responsible for enforcing the treaties that had been written up between the revolutionary forces and the government. Very difficult job. And he said, you know, this, this is the thing about COVID. It's going to strip everything away and we're going we're gonna to see what kind of society we actually live in. And, you know, whether it's going to be a cooperative environment, whether people are going to come together and help one another, or it's just going to cause tensions to fray. And so I'm grateful that we all had to kind of go through this in order to become aware of like strip away all the pretension and just go, okay, so this is what it is. Okay. I get, it's not cool. I guess I I know that there's work to be done, but at least we know what work we need to do now. And for the culinary and hospitality industry, you know, there's been systemic problems for a long, 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 long time that everybody just thought, hey, you know, we'll just suck it up because that's the way it is. And uh, it reminds me of when the millennials started coming into the field, you know, some of the older chefs would be pissed off. Like, you know, they're asking for too much. They want, you know, they want to be a stakeholder. They want Fridays off, that, 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 all this different kind of crazy shit. And I thought, well, you know, when we were young, we wanted the same things too. <laughs> we just didn't think that it was going to happen. So we just, we shifted our our perception and our uh, expectations and like okay i'll i'll never have another sunday off and i'll probably miss my kids birthdays and you know that's just the way it is in the industry and just because that's the way it was doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it needs to be moving forward i mean the whole idea of like mental and physical health awareness and doing things daily to be able to mitigate that stuff or at least connect with somebody and say listen i can see that you're struggling right now Uh, Do you want to have a conversation and where does someone turn when they need some information, you know? Absolutely. That's really well said, mate. And as much as COVID has been a heartbreaker and it has been for so many businesses and um, it continues to be. So over here in in Melbourne right now, we've just reopened after a two week circuit breaker. That's what they call it. All businesses shut, cases down, everything opens again. In theory, it works. What's it doing? What is it doing to businesses and businesses that are just trying to get their feet back on the ground? Right. On top of that, we probably had a bit of a a bit of a slip up, and I think it's a similar situation over in the States in that people were looked after during the time of being unemployed mm-hmm. financially by the government. 
chefs saw something else. They saw that maybe these hours, maybe X amount of exploitation, maybe what's normal in the industry needs a new freaking normal. And we've had a mass exodus and that's felt everywhere and it's heartbreaking. But the only thing that really gives me any solace in the whole situation is that something's got to give. And hospitality, the service industry in general, outsider chefs, bartenders, waitresses, waiters, etc. It's been exposed mm-hmm. to a point that it has to change. And as much as it's a fight now, as much as it's heartbreaking to see some of the guys I'm working with are doing 80 to 100 hour weeks. Yeah, it's brutal, man. They are absolutely on their last legs. Mm-hmm. There's hope that there's change that there's reform more equitable and sustainable, man, for sure. It's gotta be for everybody. You know, the, the burnt chef project, which is based out of uh, the UK, they're doing an incredible amount of informational gathering and studies. And what they've been able to discover is that of all the folks who have left the industry, there's like 40% of them that are considering coming back at some point, like, once, once you're in that space and once you're in that environment and what, the connection that you feel, not only with what you're doing with your hands, but also your heart and everybody that you're around, that's hard to replace in any other industry. You know, I mean, you can go out and try to, you know, be a project manager and do all these other things because the skill sets scale. Yet, you know, when your heart's in the kitchen, your heart's in the kitchen. <laughs> I tried to leave, God damn it. And I ended up coming back. <laughs> To be honest with yeah. you, mate, there are there are still elements. I barely have time to cook these days. So when I do, it's a special time. There are times where I am just like, shit, I could get the wires back on. My God, I could pull those knives out. This would be great. And we actually have, within the work I'm doing, we do a couple group Zooms. So mm-hmm. there's one in particular at around 2 p.m. Australian Eastern time where we all jump on together. And this one's targeted at the chefs that I work with being over in States and Canada. And it's a really good time for everyone to get on board. They just finished service. So they're able to they're able to rock up. Um, and what's quite funny is a lot of the Australians and Kiwis still make it to this call except it's 2 p.m so what are they doing yeah they're in the kitchen getting ready for service right so we're here doing a coaching call having a laugh hitting some key topics getting people g'd up and half of the zoom meeting is people running around in kitchens and chiming in every now and then and popping their heads over and do you know what that is an excellent feeling and that is where it capitalizes on what you've just had to say I look at those guys running around in the kitchen, smashing out their service, getting over for a quick hello and just go, my God, you look happy and I will be happy to be there with you. Yeah. I mean, I love the industry. I love the people that are in it. I have some things to say about it and some things that I'm working to, to shift for everybody's benefit, because basically I want everybody to win, not just the select few, but this other idea about you know, if you've got guys who are trying to set up their line before service and they're on your Zoom call, that must mean that, you know, you're doing something right, right? This is an excellent time to have your type of conversations about, listen, we got to think about how we're going to be able to do this long term, how we're taking care of our bodies and our minds, because, you know, I hate the conversation that it's a young man's game, you know, that pisses me the fuck off that, you know, I could only really be effective, you know, in my twenties and thirties and my forties. And after that, I have to get regaled to 
you know, teaching position or some other bullshit like that, because I, I know I can still fucking throw down. I know I can fucking kill on a fucking saute station all night long, but you know, 21 days in a row. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? So it's a perfect time to have these conversations. Yeah. Absolutely. And shout out to the guys that do switch us on um, during that time. Do you know what? Instead of tunes, instead of whatever else is going on, if they can't pay attention, if they're getting rammed consciously or subconsciously, they're still hearing it. And every now and then, there's nothing better than seeing them get a break, seeing them finish off the tickets and seeing them all just come over. And it may be that one very client I'm working with watching two or three other chefs over the shoulder having a peek. And there's a real pay it forward notion that we're having at the moment. And what I did last week was I actually grabbed one of the chefs I work with. He is from Madison in... How do you say it, mate? Wisconsin, is that right? Madison, Wisconsin, yes. It's always a tongue twister, that one for me. <laughs> Wisconsin. I think it's because I try and put the N before the S, yes. and that turns it into an S for me. <laughs> so anyway, he took a call last week, and the reason I made him take the call was because he's an executive across two venues. Mm-hmm. He has fallen in love with this journey. He has embodied absolutely everything that RCM is about, that I'm about. To a degree where I just can't even fathom what this space would be like without him. Right. This is the kind of person he's become and the kind of support he's become in that space. He is pushing this mantra onto everybody that he works with. He is calling people out on their bullshit and saying, hey, maybe we can try this. He is being suggestive, polite and emphatic, not autocratic. Mm -hmm. So he is being polite to the people that are taking a shit on their body and going, since I started doing this, I've felt so much better. Since I started to cut back my cigarette intake, mm. since I started to actually be mindful of how I'm using my body, he is pushing this on. So I actually pressed to him last week and said, you're taking this call. This call's called being the influence. And we spoke about the ripple effect that we can have within the industry in the fact that maybe there's one chef that I'm working with that's in a brigade of 30 other chefs. And can you spread that awareness? Can you call out a bit of bullshit? Can you create a team vibe where you guys are looking after each other, taking care of yourselves? And I think you've said it very, very well. To love to remember it. I read, I read up on your website pretty hard last night, but it's, 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 more, it's more about family than it is about fuck off. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, more family and less fuck you. More family, less fuck you. <laughs> And I love that. I do. I was up a little bit too late browsing. Uh, I know. It's okay. But see, that's, that's, that, that's interesting the way that you're actually, you know, if you're working with the leaders, then the leaders have an ability to influence their particular sphere of influence. Right. And speaking of my own experience, I can't tell you how many times I've told people, uh, roll your shoulders back. Right. Because they're all hunched over. I'd love it if you could kind of run down for me, three or four or five of the core tenets of RCM that you think are most important as far as the hospitality industry is concerned? It's all down to this. This is stage number one. So you're talking about your mind. Yeah. What I, oh yeah, sorry. I'm not on camera. That's all. It's all down to the mind. You're on camera. But we're we 
That's okay. <laughs> Love it. Taryn is pointing to his right. mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's actually that's like the sign language equivalent that's cool. at the moment. Um, so for me, the amount of times I tried to get it together, the amount of times I did what I should to no amends was epic. My lord, I cannot tell you how many times I tried and failed because the number one thing wasn't dealt with. What's wrong? It's not training and nutrition, is it? Really? It's going to help you. It's not doing the mobility to get yourself out of pain if you're suffering upstairs. It's also just being able to have clarity and certainty. So the first thing that I preach is just getting your mind right, becoming aware of its patterns, becoming aware of who it is that's driving this vehicle that is your body. So what I do for all of the chefs that first come in, we do a clarity week. And we have a clarity workbook. They go into a mindset portal. We talk about habits. We talk about stories. We talk about belief patterns. We talk about being, just being aware of that internal dialogue, being able to call things out, being able to get honest with yourself, being able to figure out your actual starting point, not where you mm. want your starting point to be. Right. So the first thing is just getting clarity on the situation, where you are, where you want to be detaching from the outcome and going, okay, how do we reverse engineer this? From there, we're able to take action. Once a chef feels like they understand their situation in full, they understand the habits that are serving them, the habits that aren't serving them. And I have some people come into this space that are completely fantastic human beings and just want to tidy their life up a little bit. They go through this stage quite quick. Then we have some other people that are in the woods a lot upstairs and need to recite over this book and need to recite over why they're doing this journey. If you don't have a reason and if you don't understand where you're starting, you're lost from the word go. You can train the house down. You can eat well. Mm -hmm. You can do some posture awareness, some mobility. It's not going to get you anywhere without intent and without the right energy. Absolutely. So I get them to channel upstairs first. It's one of the biggest things for me. From there, it is about implementing schedule. So... I spend an hour onboarding the chefs and I have not had one onboarding call that is similar <laughs> at all. Oh, yeah. All right, mate. So tell me what's your hours? Split shifts, straight shifts, graveyards. Where are you at? Right. What are you doing? What kind of level of food? What kind of days off? No days off. Okay, cool. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. Three weeks on, one week off. No worries. You're in the mines. Yeah. It's all over the place. Schedule overhaul, clarity, certainty. Start slotting in the little bits that can serve them. It's not about training the house down or eating perfectly. It's then about baby steps, and it has to be. Look at how we started in the industry. We were washing plates, keeping a dishwasher cycling. We eventually progressed into maybe making a dip or cutting some food, thinking it's pretty cool. Right. Look at yourself however many years later and what you've achieved. Same approach for health and fitness and wellness of a chef. Here are the workouts. Here are the mobility protocols. Here is the nutrition guideline. Here's how we're going to slot this in one step at a time, baby steps. You're not going in the deep end. You're doing this slowly. You're doing this so that you can have positive repetition and build a belief that you can do this. Some of the guys enter into the program doing 10-minute workouts, doing uh, two walks a week, sure, making more conscious health decisions, rocking up to a group call, baby steps, just baby steps. And from there, we look to build your career. That's what I call it because it's the same timeline as, as being a chef in that you progress slowly and surely. We look at building your career in health. 
and we slowly but surely tweak it. We have weekly reflections, weekly accountability check-ins, and we make sure that they feel as if they're getting the ticks, they feel as if they're getting the positive repetition. I am an absolute fiend for torturing people with benefit. I love putting people through absolute pain to pull out of their miseries. I can't flick that switch until there's a foundation built, until the baby steps are made. For every chef that I've worked with, I understand how unique it is to deal with each and every individual. There is no cookie-cutter system. There is no single one protocol that anyone follows. However, mindfulness, certainty, action, repeat (laughs) over and over and over again. The certainty grows, Mm -hmm. the action gets more challenging. I've had some guys come in that are doing, like I said to you, 10-minute circuits here and there. There's one chef that is now gone from doing something like this. He's now four times a week in the gym, loves boxing, Mm. loves going for a run, absolutely killing it in the kitchen. The team and the venue, I think they would maybe give me a hug because he was the (laughs) grumpiest man in the world, the grumpiest man in the world, and he is just killing it at work, at home, happy energy and realizes service can be done with a smile. Well, Taryn, uh, the, the things that you're bringing up to me as, as you're describing the program, it yeah. seems like, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like uh, the physical part of it is basically just an excuse in order to do a lot of this deeper work. You know, you talk about certainty, there's got to be confidence. There's got to be, you know, uh, the knowledge that, you know, even though it might be difficult that you can actually persevere if you put in the work, all these things, which have got to be, you know, applicable over every single part of their life and not just necessarily on the physical, but that's not necessarily the way that you pitch this program, right? No, it's not. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, my expertise is human movement. My expertise mm-hmm. is being able to provide healthy guidelines and to help these people to be certain with themselves and take action that benefits them. Unfortunately and fortunately, as a coach, as a personal trainer, as a previous chef, you find out a lot of things about their life. Mm -hmm. You listen to a lot of stuff. Some stuff you're not necessarily qualified to give advice on and nor would I ever. Mm -hmm. However, i got to know that stuff because that's the stuff that's stopping you from taking the action I want you to take. How do we deal with those deeper level things that perhaps a counsellor or a psychologist should be taking care of? Well, in my eyes, there is nothing more powerful than multiple perspective. Mm -hmm. I can give perspective based on you taking action that serves you. However, there is nothing more powerful than having 45 to 50 chefs from around the world together on a Zoom call and we're all just shooting the shit together. Mm -hmm. We're all speaking from experience, different walks of life, different parts of the world. And as much as I believe movement is medicine, the main medicine here is the way that these guys have wrapped around each other as a family. Something as simple as a post, hey, like, guys, I'm dealing with this at the moment. I don't know how to do it. Hey, I'm stepping into a leadership role and I'm completely shitting my pants. How would you guys approach this? Mm -hmm. And to wake up in the morning and to open up this group and to see the support, see the camaraderie, see the teamwork, see the love and passion that they've got for each other. 
freaking unbelievable. That's where the magic is in my eyes. It is an online kitchen and we're all in there together and we constantly make a joke of the disaster and success we could have if we were in a kitchen together. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you've built an amazing community and I, for one, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans, man. So I think the work that you're doing is, is essential and imperative and, you know, using the physicality as an excuse to enter into these other realms around mindset and mindfulness, you know, everybody needs their office, their starting space. So the fact that you're able to, to conjoin these, to be able to produce such fantastic results for these guys. Good on you, man. Good on you. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, I just appreciate anyone that is supporting, that is a backbone, that is going, hey, what you're doing is real, man. Mm -hmm. Because for every person out there that's giving you a nice little nudge in the right direction, there's also the equal and opposite. Mm -hmm. And you know yourself with what you're doing right now, with what we've done for most of our life, the mantra is persevere. And it makes it that little bit better when you're surrounded by positive people exactly. and you've got a positive environment. And there is nothing better than seeing the likes of yourself. There's a few other characters out there really benefiting the industry at the moment. And it's got to keep going. And exactly. as much as I understand COVID's a disaster, it's a disaster that has exposed an industry that must change and is changing. And I'm a big believer that the positivity is rising to the top at the mm-hmm. moment and that there are true leaders and there are some true beliefs that can be instilled in this industry. It's in a transformation of its own. Maybe we should take the before picture right now because the after one. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. And it's, yeah, it, to me, it's a huge opportunity right now. And uh, unlike anything that we've ever been able to, any of us have seen in our lifetime, but certainly as, as a, as a, as a tradition and as a craft, man, we could shift a lot of stuff. We could shift a lot of stuff and, it, and not probably not get everything done, but we can put enough stuff in motion that gives people the confidence that they can make this a career and not have to fear for themselves or, you know, or that they're going to take, be taken advantage of because we'll have sorted all that shit out by then. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And One of the most important parts of what you said there is the big smile and the laugh right there as well. Mm -hmm. You're a positive man. You've got some fantastic energy. We need more of this and it needs to be heard around the world. Thanks, Taryn. I appreciate you being here. That's it for this episode of Chef Life Radio. If you enjoyed it, it made you think, laugh, or get pissed off, then please tell a friend. Get your free copy of Three Ideas for Less Chef Stress by signing up for our monthly newsletter at chefliferadio.com forward slash sign up. Here at Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It just shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard. It just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck it up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island. We believe in more partnership and less put up or shut up more community, and a lot less fuck you. Finally, consider for a second, for all the blood, sweat, and sometimes even tears we put into what we do, really, at the end of the day, that's just some brown stuff on a plate. None of it really matters. It doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just a dance we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it, even the crappy parts, while we're doing it. 
Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it? Like it, Hefe. I fucking love it. I am humble. The goddamn glory box that I don't live on now. <laughs> Follow us at Facebook.com, Chef Life Radio. Twitter, at Chef Life Radio. On Instagram, at Chef Life Radio. And check out our website, ChefLifeRadio.com. Oh, yes, Chef. Stand tall and frosty, brothers and sisters. Until next time, be well and do good. Leave the light on, honey. I'm coming home late. This show was produced, recorded, and edited by me, Adam Lamb, at the Dish Pit Studios in Bardo, North Carolina. This has been a production of Realignment Media. <laughs>